Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. Hello, and a big, warm, fuzzy welcome to the first show of the year. This is Yowie Central, and I'm Sarah. Here at Yowie Central, we explore the latest on Yowie research in Australia. We hear Yowie witness testimonies, and we talk to the experts. And we dive headfirst into paranormal encounters, UFOs and aliens, orbs, psychics and all sorts of mysterious phenomena. I am so happy to be back with you after my summer break. I missed you. I had a couple of weeks off and I've spent the last three weeks busily interviewing witnesses, researchers and other guests to line up an awesome set of conversations for you. We've got yaoi's, dogman, other weird cryptids, ghosts, negative entities, attachments, UFOs and aliens, star seeds, and so much more. I'm so excited. I hope you are. Now for some news. I'm stepping back from doing the show on Main FM for a while to concentrate on growing this podcast. The Main FM crew are excellent people, the most supportive, lovely bunch, and it's definitely the best little station in the nation. But as with all radio gigs, timing and strictly limited show length is essential. 
And I decided I'd like to spread my wings a bit and not be confined to a set show length of between, you know, 56 and 58 minutes, because I often end up talking to the guests on my show for longer than that. And I either have to cut out juicy stuff or make the show into two parts. And I usually find as a listener, I prefer to have the whole shebang in one go rather than uh, a week apart and separated into two sections. So this is my very first independent show and I'm really excited about the future for Yowie Central and I really hope you'll come on this journey with me. I will be monetizing the show soon too, so... That means that you might have to put up with a few ads, but it also means I can maybe cover my equipment expenses and a little bit of the time and creative effort I put into the show. I'm also working towards having an extra show a week for members, but that will happen once I've got my new website up and running and the website will be happening uh, sometime in the next month, six weeks. I'll let you know when it's ready to go. So, drum roll, please. First up for the year, we're heading to Ohio in the United States of America. I caught up a few weeks ago with my friends Shane Grove and The Judge from From the Shadows podcast. Shane and the other host of From the Shadows, Jason, were guests on the show last year and they very kindly invited me to be a guest on their show as well. So the judge actually had a terrifying, and I mean terrifying, dogman sighting when he was a teenager. He's going to tell us all about it this week and it's absolutely spine-tingling. Just before we get into it, though, I want to send a big hug and all my healing energy to Jason, the other host and producer of From the Shadows. He's not well at the moment. So, Jason, if you're listening, I hope you're feeling much, much better soon. I can't wait to hear you back on your show and sending you lots of love from Australia. Right. Are you ready to get scared? Good. Here's Shane and the judge. I'm excited for the people of Australia to to hear my story because I don't know that (laughs) Australia has anything like this. Well, I would absolutely love to hear your story. I believe Shane told me that it is a dogman story. So where do you want to start with that? Because I'm excited. Well, as the great Bob Seger once said in a song, it seems like yesterday, but it was long ago. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, so you, uh, back in 1903. <laughs> I'm not that old. Come on. <laughs> so, Judge, so, why, don't, why don't you share with the Yowie Central listeners what happened? What's the story? Well, it was mid-80s. Mid, mid 80s, about 19, I think it was 1985, and it was summer. And uh, I lived out in the country, and, and now country, I guess, is relative to how close you live to a city, but um, I lived in a small town, about 14, 15,000 people, 
and I live north of that town on a state route about five miles out of town. And so it was classic American, middle America, you know, cornfields, bean fields, that sort of stuff. So I was training for this this uh, road race. It was, it was 10 kilometers, and I had never really been a runner before, and I got kind of conned into doing this. And so this guy had been coaching me and, and, you know, he said, okay, you know, you're going to run this many miles each day. And, and it had been unseasonably hot for about three straight days. The temperature had been kicking up around a hundred degrees. My coach had said, Hey, I'll give you a choice. If you know, you want to run your five miles early in the morning before the sun comes up, or do you want to do it in the evening? Well, I am not a morning person. So I said, hey, I'm just going to run at night if that's okay. And he says, yeah, okay. Well, I lived out in the country. And so there was a little side road that was about 150 yards from my house. It was called Temple Road. It was, you know, about a lane and a half wide. Um, and it ran for two and a half miles down to a state route. And so I thought, okay, I can run down two and a half miles, turn around, come back, and there's my five miles. I got my five miles in. So the plan was I was going to take off running about 8.30, 9 o'clock as the sun was going down. Well, of course, I procrastinated and didn't get out the door till 9.30, almost probably 10 o'clock by the time I got out the door. Now, it's nighttime, but the moon was out. It wasn't a full moon or anything like that, but it was very bright. And I wasn't the least bit scared of the dark or certainly not scared about running down some country road at night. I was a country boy, grew up playing hide-and-go-seek in barns and cornfields and stuff like that. So I wasn't the least – I didn't have any trepidation about going out and running at night. So still there with me? Yeah. Okay, but – she, so, Lou, Judge, she's on the edge of her seat. <laughs> no, well, I'm saying it's not true. I'm, you're, I'm, you're, you're breaking the tension. <laughs> you're breaking the tension. I'm just, just sure that talking and people are listening because the, the, my thing keeps making a weird crackle. Yeah, it so, does. Every, it sounds like you, the, the connection is a little bit loose on your mic or something. So it's. Um, or are you on your, or are you talking on speaker? No, I'm not talking on speaker. So. Okay. Okay. It must be it must be your fortress of solitude. The connection <laughs> is, I'm uh... super so so back to the story. So it's a, it's it's pushing ten o'clock, and I and I leave my house, and I have to go south about 150 yards, and I turn right onto this little road. Now to understand the the geography here, on the right hand side of the road, which would be the north side of the road, it was all cornfield about six feet tall because it was head high to me six feet tall all the way down to the first crossroad which was a mile and on the left hand side was all beans soybeans uh which were only you know they 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 stick up about you know 18 inches or two feet max probably and there was an old farmhouse that nobody was living in at the time on the side with the beans so I take off and, and I'm running and back and back in the eighties, there was no uh, iPods or MP3 players or anything like that. It's just me listening to the night sounds. That's it. No headphones on, no Walkmans or anything like that. So I, I, I get, I get down 
to the two and a half mile mark and I turn around completely uneventful. And on the way back, when I get to the, to the mile mark where I only have one mile to go, where that crossroad, the first crossroad was to my left, which would be on the North since that's coming back was a woods. And it was, I couldn't tell you how big the woods was. It was pretty thick, you know, 30 acres maybe of woods. I don't know if it was that big. And then there was the road. There's a little road called Flickinger Road. And then when you cross that road, the bean field started back up again. So I'd have a mile of beans on my right and the cornfield on my left for a mile. And it was at that moment that I, what I describe as like my spider senses, this weird kind of feeling came over me like something in the woods was watching me. And I'd never had that feeling at any time that night when I, cause I ran by the woods the first time I never had any, you know, nothing. And it was this very overpowering feeling that something was watching me. And so I stopped, I, I actually stopped and I was looking into the woods. I thought, man, this is really creepy. And as I was looking into the woods, I hear the corn rustling across the road. So I'm facing the woods and so then I turned to the sound and there in the cornfield, like I said, the corn was about six feet tall. I see a bunch of corn moving like in a circle. Now the, the corn is about three or four, maybe five rows in. Okay. So whatever's in the cornfield, I can't see it cause it's too far in and it's moving around and it's really big and there's lots of corn moving. And it struck me as really odd why the corn would be moving in that manner. Like, it, you ever seen a dog, like, continue to turn circles mm -hmm. on, like, its bed? Yes. Because it's trying to get comfortable, and you're like, <laughs> what the hell is this dog doing? This made 20 circles. Yes. <laughs> well, in well, that's what it looked like. It looked like something was in the corn doing circles. Now, indigenous to Ohio is there's no bears. There's no wolves. There's, you know, maybe Southern Ohio, there might be some mountain lions or something like that. But the only thing really indigenous in that area at that time was deer. And that seemed very odd, but I thought, well, I don't know, maybe it's a deer trying to lay down or make a nest or, or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it was just weird. And then all of a sudden it stopped. And the corn stopped moving. It just stopped. It was still. And I thought, oh, that's really weird. So I'm like, I'm getting the hell out of here, right? So I take off running, and when I take off running, whatever was in the cornfield takes off running with me at the exact same pace, at the exact same speed, and it's pacing me. But it's in the corn three or four rows in, and I can see the corn moving, and it's a lot of corn because whatever it is, it's big. And so... I thought this is really weird because a deer would not do this. A deer would have ran from me. It wouldn't have, you know, it would have got the hell away from me. I, and my brain starts running like all these scenarios, like what the hell is this thing? One, I knew it wasn't a dog. It was, I mean, there's way too much corn to be moving to be a dog. Uh, it's not a deer. Deers would have taken off. And I thought a person, could somebody be out here playing a prank on me? But I mean, I'm out, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. There is no person just lurking around hoping that some kid's out jogging and you know is gonna pull a prank on them. And besides that, if you've ever if you've ever run in a cornfield, it is really hard and it will cut the hell out of you. And there's no way somebody at night, 
is keeping pace with me on a road. So I get scared and I take off running a lot faster. And when I take off running a lot faster, this thing picks up the pace with me and it's pacing me perfectly. Like it's, it's stride for stride. And so I, I come to an abrupt stop. Like, I mean, I, you know, the proverbial, I stop on a dime, right? And when I stopped, it stopped perfectly. Like it didn't run past me three feet and double back. It stopped. I mean, exactly parallel to me. And when that happened, that's when I really started to freak out because at that point I knew that whatever was in the corn could see me or sense me, know my exact location, but I could not see it. And there was nothing that I could think of logically that could do that. So I sat there and, and, and just kind of like stared at the corn fully expecting something to come out, right? I mean, you expect this thing's running with you, it's pacing you, and now you stop. You think this thing's going to come out. And so I kind of brace myself for whatever's going to come out of the corn. You know, see what I'm saying? Yeah. And nothing comes. And the corn is perfectly silent. And I mean, it doesn't move an inch. I mean, and there's no, and, and I mean, it doesn't move at all. So whatever this thing was, as big as what it was, and as much corn as it moved, and it could just, it could just make itself silent, just perfectly still, nothing. So now my adrenaline starts to, you know, spike. And and this is the I, I experience what people describe as the fight or flight mode. And so I get this massive adrenaline dump and I just take off running as hard as I can. I mean, as hard as I can. And the problem with that is, you know, the human body can do that for so long and then you, you lose all that huge adrenaline dump. And when I take off run as fast as I can, the thing in the corn takes off running same speed as me. And I mean, we're gunning it. And this, the corn, whoosh, 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 and I'm running and I'm breathing, you know, because I'm, you know, I got that panic mode. Yeah. And suddenly I realize it doesn't matter how hard I run. I'm not outrunning this thing. And so I stop again. But this time when I stop, I've kind of burnt all my nitrous oxide. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've burned you know, all that adrenaline dump. And now I'm starting to hyperventilate. And my breathing's like. <laughs> and, and now I'm really scared because. Now, no matter what I do, I know I physically cannot outrun this thing. There's just no chance because I was running as fast as I'd ever ran in my life. And this thing kept perfect pace with me and it's three, four rows into a cornfield. So that means if it's not in the cornfield and it's running on the pavement with me, it's three, four, five times faster than me. It's toying with me, right? It's just toying with me. So at this point, I... I'm starting to panic to try to figure out what I'm going to do. But once again, as I'm sitting there gasping for air, this thing doesn't come out of the corn. It's just, it, it, once again, it's perfectly silent. It's perfectly still. And I can't remember, and maybe because I was breathing so heavily and my heart's pounding out of my chest, but I never heard this thing make a sound. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's, I mean, it didn't make a sound, nothing. Not even any breathing noises or anything like that. No, nothing. I mean, nothing. Wow. It, so really bizarre. So now I'm thinking, okay, 
I'm, I'm in a lot of trouble here. What am I going to do? And I remember, because I could see it, there's a, the, the old farmhouse is coming up on my right. And they had this tree, this big old oak tree, I think it was oak, that set out in front of, right out by the road. And it had lots of limbs on it. And I thought, okay, I'm going to just jog to this farmhouse and I'm going to climb this tree and I'm going to go as high up as I can to get away from this thing, whatever it is. And I'll take the high ground. And maybe if I get high enough, I'll be able to look down in the corner and see it. And if I have to sit in this tree all night, I'll sit in the tree all night. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm to the point where, you know, I'm going to do whatever I can. So I take off jogging. And when I take off jogging, the thing in the corn takes off jogging with me. And once again, it just stays perfect pace with me. It doesn't get ahead of me. It doesn't lag behind me at all. It is running perfectly parallel with me. And when I get to the farmhouse, I look and somebody had dehorned the tree. They had trimmed all the branches off. Oh, no. And I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know whether it was because of uh, electrical lines or phone lines or whatever they did, but they had cut all the branches off all the way up to like a certain part. And there was no way I could climb this tree. I mean, there's just no way. Um, so now I've got a half mile to go to get to the the state route that I lived on. And so <clears throat> I start thinking to myself, okay, I just started walking. When, when I got to that point, I just started walking. Um, and the thing in the corn just walked with me. And... I don't know how far I walked, whether it was 25 yards, 50 yards, you know what I mean? It, but, you know, I doubt it was 100 yards. I doubt I walked that far. But my mind started thinking, okay, what am I going to do? Because for me to go home, I'm going to have to get to the highway and turn left. So I'm going to intersect with this thing because the corn did not run all the way up to the road. So there, you, you had the road, and then there was like a ravine ditch, and then there were some wildflowers and weeds, and then there was the corn. And so there was probably 30 feet, maybe 40 feet of, of weeds before the corn picked up. So I know if, if I'm going to go left to go to my house, that corn's going to end, and I'm going to run right into this thing, whatever it is. So I remembered that one of my good friends lived to the right about 200 200 to 250 yards down on the on the same size of the road I did so I'd have to cross the road to get to his house and I thought to myself okay there's a bean field here what if I just cut diagonally across this bean field to try to get to his house and put as much distance between me and this thing whatever's in the corn but I realized being a farm kid, the way the rows of beans were planted, and I don't know if any of your Australian listeners are familiar with bean fields, but to try to cut across those beans would, would be almost impossible. You'd get tripped up. You couldn't run across them. Um, you guys have soybeans in Australia? Yes, we do. I'm pretty sure we do. Yeah. So any listeners would know what I'm talking about. It would just be practically impossible to cut across the, the 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 rows of beans. And the other thing I was thinking, and and keep this in mind, this is a fifteen year old kid thinking, not you know, 
you know, a 50 year old guy is that I remembered, and this sounds silly, but back in elementary school and like in gym class, when you played tag and you, just because some kid was faster than you didn't always mean he could tag you because if you were, you know, you could juke and run and, and turn and twist and stuff like that. And I, and I thought to myself, if, if I'm on concrete, I can be like I'm playing tag. If this thing would run out of the corn at me and try to grab me, maybe I could twist jerk like I did playing tag. But if I was in the bean field, there's no way I could maneuver. I would just fall down and it would be on top of me. So I decided not to try to cut across the bean field. And I decided I was just going to jog very lightly to conserve energy until I got to the road, to the highway. And then I was going to sprint right and head to my buddy's house. And, but one of the things I had to worry about was that highway at the time was really busy with semi-trucks. And if anybody wants to look on a map in Ohio where this takes place, it runs, that state route four runs up to Lake Erie and there's amusement parks and there's boating and camping. And so during the summer, it is a highly traveled highway by people. And so one of my concerns was, you know, I try to run across this road and I get splattered by a semi-truck or, you know, somebody coming and going from the lake. So I knew I had to time this up because I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to get to the road and have to come to a complete stop and lose all momentum. Because like I said, there was about 30, 40 feet before you get to the road where that corn's going to stop. So I start jogging and, and, you know, I, I quit walking. I start my jogging and this thing starts running with me again and it's pacing me the whole way and I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to be like shooting out of a cannon when I get, when I know that I can cross the road and not get hit, I'm going to shoot across this thing as fast as I can. And I'm not looking back. I'm not going to look and try to make it. Well, as I got close to the highway, I looked to the left and I saw a semi-truck coming, but it was far enough down that I knew I could, I could get across. And I looked to my right and there's nothing coming. So thank God I've timed this where I'm going to be able to run. But as I started to, just before I started to wind up the engine to take off sprinting, I did what I said I wasn't going to do. And that is I turned and I looked. I, w I didn't want to look because I was, I thought if I looked because I didn't know what it was, I thought I might freeze up. You know what I'm saying? And if I froze up just that ever second that I froze up, maybe this thing would get me. But it, just as I started to wind up, I turned my body and I looked at the corn because the corn was ending. And that's when I saw it. I saw this thing crest and come through the corn. And it was about, I would say, where its head was, was about six feet tall. Um, it had the head of a dog. It had high pointed ears. Its shoulders were rolled forward. Okay. And, and, and maybe I'm going to use a bad analogy here for you guys in Australia, but you know, like a rugby player yeah. and, and maybe I'm going to use the wrong term here is it's getting ready to go in for a scrum. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
it, it, it was bent forward. Its shoulders were rolled forward like it was in an athletic position. And to me, it looked like, and it was clearly standing on two legs, but it looked like it wanted to drop to all fours and run. You know what I'm saying? But like the way it's the the way its shoulders, its it shoulders pulled back like a person. They were more, they were more bent forward, and so it had long arms and dark fur. I can't tell you whether it was black fur or dark gray or dark brown. I can't tell you that because it, it was night, but I got a, I mean, I got a good look at it. But it was fur, short fur, uh, short hair, and it turned its. It, and this was the weird thing it turned its body and looked at me like it didn't just turn its head. Cause it, it walked out of the, it crusted the corn and it, it didn't just turn its head. And look at me. It actually pivoted its shoulders, its waist and looked at me. And I can't tell you what the legs were like. And I can't tell you if it had a tail or anything like that because the weeds were probably, you know, three feet, three and a half feet high. You know, because those weeds ran right up to the corn. And it turned and it looked at me. And that's when I said, that's it. I, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's go time. And so I took off sprinting across the road. And I was convinced, and I didn't look back, I was convinced that this thing was going to drop to all fours and lay chase to me. And so I sprint across the road and I'm getting, I'm sprinting to my buddy's house and they had a swimming pool outside their house with a chain link fence around it. And it was an in-ground pool. And they usually always had the gate open to the pool. And, and I'm, as I'm getting there, I look and I see that they have the gate closed and it's latched. And so I'm, I know I don't have time to stop at the fence and lift the latch gate to get through if this thing's chasing me. So I say, how if I'm going to jump the fence? So as I'm getting close to the fence, I jump up and I throw both of my feet up in the air to the left. And I put my right hand on top of the, it had like the scallops, you know what I'm talking about? Like mm -hmm. a chain links fence, the top like scalloped. Yeah. And it just gashed me right across my oh, side. Just gosh. gashed me, cut me. And I landed in a weird stumbling position. And I don't know why, but my first instinct was just don't jump in the pool. Just jump in the pool. So I dove head first into the pool and I slid. I, I'll never forget this. This is just, you know, like Bob Sears said, it seems like yesterday. I remember my chest sliding down the slope because the pool was like 10 feet deep in the steepest spot. And I remember my chest sliding down the pool and I, blew, I was blowing my air out because I didn't want to pop up. I didn't want to be buoyant. And when I got to the bottom, I, I was holding my nose tight and I blew my air out and I sat on the bottom of the pool and I looked up fully expecting to see this thing sitting on the edge of the pool waiting on me and I looked in what seemed like I mean it seemed like a minute but no way it was a minute the way I held my breath for a minute in the water but it seemed like a long time. And when I didn't see anything, I swam to the top. Now I had running shoes on, so it was like really hard to swim. And I get to the top, to the to the edge of the pool. I look around. I'm like, go, go. So I jump out of the pool 
and I run up and my buddy had a sliding glass door to their patio and he had a curtain like across it. So you couldn't see in. And I, and I was, they always had their sliding glass door unlocked, even if they weren't home. So I, I guess I never even thought the door could have been locked, but I grabbed that sliding glass door and I rip it open as hard as I can. And I run through the curtain and my buddy was sitting there. His parents weren't home. And this is the, the, the one amusing part of the story was his family had just was one of the first families around that had gotten a satellite dish. And if you remember, remember the old satellite dishes from the 80s? They looked, I mean, they looked like they were 50 feet wide and you could beam <laughs> something to outer space. <laughs> yep. And he had dialed in the Playboy channel. <laughs> so here's the thing. As you do when so you're a teenage when boy. <laughs> when I put that open, the first thing I see is, is you know, this, you know, lovely lady bare breast on the TV, which <laughs> which you have to understand in the 80s in the country, would you would never have seen. And I look, and then he screams as loud as he can because he thought I was his parents that came home and him watching the Playboy channel. And, and I slam the door shut. And keep in mind, here I am. I'm in my running shoes and running clothes, and I'm just soaking wet. And I slam the sliding glass door as hard as I can, and it bounces back open. I slam it again, and I scream, turn the lights out, turn the lights out. He, he, he's panicking. He has no idea what's going on. And so I'm like, kill the lights, kill the lights. And, and he's, what's going on? And, and I'm telling him, turn the lights out. So if I get the lights out and, and I just kind of kept creeping around, peeking out windows, he's like, what the hell are you doing? And like, look, dude, there's something out there. There's something out there. There's something out there. And, you know, and, and I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking and I don't see anything And in the way his house was, you know, he, they had all kinds of trees in the yards. This thing, if it was out there, could have been hiding behind anything. And so I said, look, I'm, I can't go out there. I cannot go out there. There's no way I'm going to go out there. And he's like, well, what's out there? What's out, dude? I said, I don't know. I don't know what's out there. And so I had to tell him the story. And, and it's like, look, there's something after me. There's something in the corn. But he didn't tell him exactly what I saw. And, and it's weird. And the thing is, when I saw it, the only thing that registered in my mind, in, which could be cataloged in my mind, is what I saw, um, was the Egyptian god Anubis. Uh-huh. That's it. I mean, that was the only thing. Keep in mind, I was 15 years old. There's no internet. There's no books out there about cryptids that I knew of or anything like that. And so the only thing that this thing even resembled to me was the Egyptian god Anubis. That's what it looked like. And I certainly wasn't going to tell my buddy, hey, look, the Egyptian god Anubis is chasing me through the corn. Lock the doors. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I didn't tell him. And, and so what's interesting is. Um, the very next night I played cards with, with Grover here and I tell everybody the story and I leave out what I actually saw. And the reason why I did that was because I didn't figure anybody would believe me. And two, I didn't want to be made fun of. I didn't want people to mock me, roast me, call me a liar or anything like that. And it's very interesting, you know. Um, when I, when you, when you were on our show, I wasn't on the show that night, but I went back and listened to your show and, and you told, you know, Grover and Jason that the people you talk to will tell you stories from 30, 40 years ago and they never told anybody Yeah. because they were embarrassed or ashamed of them. And that's me exactly. And it, it's shocking to how many people out there who've had these experiences don't tell people 
because they don't want to be made fun of or called a liar or mocked. Now, the weird thing is I never thought when I first saw it, I never thought werewolf because to me, the werewolf was Lon Chaney Jr. wearing a pair of jeans and a flannel shirt and a flat face and, you know, on Hollywood. That's that was the werewolf for me. And so it, it this thing didn't look like I mean, this thing did not look like a man that would have metamorphosed into a canine. You know what I mean? Yeah. This thing just looked like a solid big six foot. And if you ask me how tall I think it really was, it was six foot tall, hunched over, legs bent. Like, you know what I mean? Like, in a, so I guess if you had stretched it out six, five, seven foot, maybe. Did you get, you know, a, did, you, did you get a look at the face? Oh, yeah. I mean, I saw the face, it, the snout. It, yeah. it, it was a dog's head. Right. It was absolutely a dog's head. A- absolutely. And the long gated snout the high pointed ears. And I've been asked by people, did you see any eye shine? And I can't remember if I did or I didn't. I don't remember it. Like I would say this much. It didn't have like glowing red eyes. It did not. Did it like with with that snout? How long was it? Was it more like a, a Doberman or a German shepherd or more like a, a pit bull? Was it German shepherd, German shepherd, German shepherd, very long snout. Yeah. Very long snout. Not a, not a not a rounded. It was not a rounded snout like a uh, like a pit bull. It was a it was a Doberman German Shepherd snout, long face, very high pointed ears like a Doberman. I would say ears like a like a trim Doberman. It, that's what it looked like, and that's why to me, it was Egyptian god Anubis. You know what I mean? Because it looked just like that. If if you any of your listeners. Google Egyptian God Anubis, and that's what I saw. And so here I am, you know, scared, don't think anybody's going to believe me. And so I don't tell anybody. But as I grew older and went to college and became a lawyer and all this different stuff, the Internet arises, right? And so you start looking up stuff. So then I was thinking maybe what I saw that night was remember uh, – um. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes story, The Hounds of Baskerville. Yes. About the devil dogs. Yeah. I thought that's what it was. I thought this is a devil dog. This is this devil dog. And and I remember reading I, I remember reading stories on the internet about in England where they had this rash of devil dogs that would chase carriages. And but here's the thing. The way they describe the devil dogs is they all ran on all fours. They were and they had glowing red eyes. Yeah. And I thought to myself, that's not what I saw. What I saw was running on two legs. Now, I think it could run on all four legs, too. But what I saw was standing on two legs upright like a person. And I said, OK, this isn't this isn't a devil dog. This isn't what they're describing that happened in England. So lo and behold. And I can't remember the exact year that I found it. But <clears throat> Linda Godfried wrote a book called the beast of Bray road. Uh-huh. And it was and and she termed this creature that was up on Bray road in Wisconsin dog man. And so I started reading about this and then I started reading about some eyewitness accounts and I'll never forget. I'm reading this book and this guy describes what he saw as he thought it looked like the Egyptian God Anubis. 
and it hit me. That's what I saw. This guy saw what I saw. I'm not saying he saw the exact same creature, but he saw what I saw, this thing. And I, and I remember calling Grover up saying, dude, I figured it out. I know what I saw. I now know 30 years later, I know what it is. I know what I saw. And, and, and I'm convinced today as I sit here, that is what I saw. What now is described in popular crypto world culture is, is the dog man. You're listening to Shane Grove and the judge on Yowie Central. And it was clearly playing with you, really, because it, you know, if it wanted to, to get you, well, it quite easily yeah, have done that. That's an, that's an interesting story because I was on a plane one time and I was sitting next to this guy and I was reading a cryptid book and he, you know, you know how it is on a plane, right? And this guy kind of looks over at me and he's, hey, what are you reading? Hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then lo and behold, I'm telling this guy the story, (laughs) okay? Mm -hmm. Because I want to play with this guy. And the story, and he says, man, it's a good thing you didn't turn left. And I said, yeah, I know, because I would have ran right in this thing. He goes, nah, nah, you don't get it. He goes, I'm a hunter. I hunt wolves up in Canada and Minnesota. And he said, this thing, he's like, if this thing's a wolf by nature, if it's, it's a canine, said they never hunt solo. They hunt in packs. <laughs> right. And what he was what he was saying is that this thing was driving me to a kill zone. Did it? That's why. It, that's why it, it it would slow down with me. It would it would pick up with me. it wanted to push me, push me, push me into an area where there was multiple of these things to kill me. And then I'm like, holy shit! And he said, look, he said if you're out in nature a wolf will almost never attack you by itself solo one-on-one almost never do that unless it's way 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 bigger than you and you pose no threat of hurting it because if you if it would fight something equally as big as it and it got injured guess what that wolf could no longer run with the pack it'd get left behind so they don't like to do that they like to they like to force you the prey into a kill zone where all of them jump you at one time so then I'm thinking, holy shit! <laughs> holy shit, indeed. It could it could also have been maybe driving you towards a group of them. But I know some some animals, some predator animals, the adults catch smaller animals and 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 leave them for their pups to kill, and to, so they they're training for for hunting. So it could have been it could sure. have been you were being driven towards the children, so they could have finished you off as well. Yeah, pleasant either way. Pleasant but, either but see, way. That brings us to the debate. Yeah, so that brings us to the universal debate about what Dogman is. And Grover and I, you know, we've talked for for a long time about it, and I was convinced that it was a blood and guts. Uh, creature that it was it, 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 it's it's a creature and it's just you know like sasquatch and you know nobody's caught it categorized it or whatever but then we had linda godfried on our podcast and in linda you know is the godmother of a dog man she's the one that wrote the wrote the manual yeah we found out and this is and this is this is the head scratcher this is for all you uh listeners out there she, because she'd done years of research, she decided that she was going to take a template of dogman sightings and 
superimpose that or transpose that over Indian burial grounds. Mm. Where she came up with this idea, I can't remember. And what she did was when she mapped them on a grid, they matched up perfectly. So where people were seeing dogmen sightings, they were also in close proximity to an Indian burial ground. Right. And then it started to be thinking, holy shit, are these things like supernatural gardens of, you know, burial grounds? So guess what I did after, after that show? You guessed it. I looked <laughs> up on the map, Ohio bear, Indian burial grounds, and guess what set about 200 yards away from where I first saw the dog? Making. No way. Really? Indian burial ground. Far Indian out. Burial. Yep. Wow. So yeah, there's, a, there's actually two, two of them. Yeah. In the same, like within a half mile of that spot. It would be really interesting to compare. We get a few dogman reports over here. I wonder if there are Aboriginal burial grounds near where those sightings are. I might have to do a bit of research and let you know. There you go. Now, what's interesting is then we had another guest on who was even older than me and had <laughs> a dogman experience that predated me. And and her her dogman story is a little more terrifying than mine. And it, it tried to get in her car and chased him and all this stuff. And we asked her, would there have been an Indian burial ground nearby? She goes, oh, yeah, there was run right across. Like, it was oh, wow. right yeah, there. Yeah, like the other end of the road. Yeah. Like the other end of the road. Like, she had no idea that was the angle that, that we were going with. So, so right now, I would say there's two competing theories out there about dogmen. One is this is a flesh and bone creature that just hasn't been caught. Um or this is a supernatural, multi-dimensional creature that comes and goes and yeah. wards off people from areas they don't want you in. I tend to, to lean towards, at the moment I'm leaning towards the latter. Uh, for our Sasquatch, uh, Yowie, Hairy friends, as well as Dogman, I'm, I'm, I'm moving away from the only flesh and blood to something more interdimensional something more mysterious because um, i it just some things just don't make sense do they uh if they're well, flesh see, and I, blood. Was solely, I was solely i was solely in the camp of flesh and bone and and maybe that was because i saw it and i saw it was real you know talking with linda and, and doing more research and I'm in the I'm in the camp of I think these are multi-dimensional creatures. I think they can manifest physical flesh and bone type things, but I didn't think they're stuck on our spiritual plane. I guess. Well, you know, but it's 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 really interesting that I looked up a couple of the Dogman reports that we've got in our database before I spoke to you, and the descriptions of the creature that people saw i've got a couple of different cases here i've got three different cases the description of the creature that people saw is identical to yours uh in fact one of the witnesses later sent us a picture of anubis uh to describe what they saw exactly so very tall um long pointy ears pointy nose or ears like a doberman was exactly what they said Yep, um, that's what I saw. Yeah. Uh, nose snout of a dog, two metres tall, uh, pointy claws, um, muzzle like a, like a dog. Like they're, they're all 
all of those descriptions are exactly the same. So how do we figure, how do we, how do we put that together that you're seeing exactly the same things that we're seeing over here? Uh, right, because you think about, think about Australia as a continent and, and, and think about that there's just, I mean, there's not kangaroos in Ohio. Okay. There's not, you think about how would there be, if this was a flesh and bone, flesh and bone creature, how would it be there in here? And then in Michigan and Wisconsin and and all these other places, you know what I mean? If it, if it was just a regular run of the mill, you know, animal that somebody science hadn't caught yet and classified. Yeah. And how does it, how does it evolve from, well, did it evolve from original wolves uh, into well, into a bipedal I, creature. Like, how does that evolution the lo- the evolution of the locomotion? So, so, on, uh, so, so as I was on Sasquatch Chronicles, yeah, uh, very famous podcast. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Wes, you know, I've Wes, never heard of. I, I've never oh, heard. Of what, what, who's what, she? What's <laughs> yeah. So, so Wes was telling me that, that he had done some research in a dogman, and these things date all the way back to Mesopotamia. Mm. That some of his theories is that the Egyptians copied Anubis from these Mesopotamian dogman creatures. Right. That these things have been around for thousands of years. <clears throat> that the Mesopotamians worshipped them. They were around that the Egyptian culture adopted that. And if you think about Anubis being god of the underworld and, and that kind of stuff, well, that kind of lines up with burial. Grounds and, it and does, like doesn't it? Yes. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, there, well there, are, there are, isn't there a story, Judge? I mean, that there was a, um, like a civilization of dog men. Yes. Right. Yeah, right. like Sinocephaly, uh, mm-hmm. which is the head of the dog. What was the name of the? I'd have to look it up again. But we're talking ancient history. But there was a was yeah. it? Well, was yeah, it an island? Like, or was uh, that, it? Might have even been yeah. described in the Odyssey by Homer. I think that that island yeah. of, yeah, yeah. of dog-headed people. Right. Right. You might be right on that. Yeah, but yeah. so that's you know we, that was just that was written. It's, been, it's a few years since I'm, I'm not totally up to speed on my Ulysses, so. Yeah. <laughs> I read it in high school. That's as much as I can remember. <laughs> um, but interesting, though, that those, back when that was written, there was 
obviously something that right. that, that sort of a creature obviously existed because he's describing or, or or at least existed in the culture in the imaginations of people right well so well I, and i can and i can i, I can tell you this much what i saw was not in my imagination no so. no no it doesn't well, sound like well, it and sarah what i what i will bet and the judge may try to claim otherwise to prove his intelligence <laughs> that that while we were familiar with what the the um, Egyptian god Anubis looked like, we probably did not realize what exactly it it stood for. You, you know what I'm saying? We didn't yes. know that it was like the um, dead, so to speak, um, when we were in high school. Yeah, I mean, I would, I just knew, and I, and I can't tell you, I can't tell you why I, why I knew the Egyptian god Anubis in the first place, whether I saw it in a textbook or, you know, I couldn't tell you, but but I just knew what that, I knew what it looked like just from pictures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but didn't know anything yeah, of, of the history. I I can only, I can only imagine. I can only imagine seriously how you felt when you when it when you looked at it and it turned around to look at you directly at you. I mean, talk about <laughs> well, needing clean like, underpants. This, well, the strange thing about it is, and this is this is in hindsight. At the time, I didn't think this, but since I've relived it in my mind, it, it, it walked out of the corn and it didn't just turn its head and look at me. It turned its entire torso to look at me, like it swiveled. At its waist, which seemed very undog-like. You see did what I'm saying? It, did it have a really? We've actually heard that movement described by a lot of Yowie witnesses, uh, with the thought being that because they don't, their their neck muscles are so thick, they don't appear to have much of a neck at all. That they don't have the flexibility to turn their head over their shoulder, so they turn their whole body instead. Oh. Interesting. And you know what else and I left out? It's chest. Um, the one thing that stuck out at me besides its rolled shoulders was the massiveness of its chest. And, and, and this is the best way I could describe it. Do you know what a dachshund's chest looks like? I mean, like a miniature dachshund? Help oh, yes. A miniature dachshund. Yes. Well, a miniature dachshund has this massive muscular chest that, that protrudes out. And that's what this looked like. It looked like a dachshund's chest. Yeah, right. How it sticks out, like muscular. Right. That is fascinating. That's the first time I've heard that described. Actually, that's really mm-hmm. that's really interesting. And somebody, where was I hearing? I can't remember where now. It's a long time ago that I heard this, but they were somebody was looking at how how a dog man could possibly walk on its on bipedally walk on its two feet and it had mm-hmm. something about the you know how you've got the a, a standard dog has its little paw on the ground and then there's a there's a a joint a little bit further up is it called the hock or something like that right yeah like it's like an ankle but it's backwards so that bit comes down to meet the ground so that you've got the 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 pads at the front of the foot and towards the back you've got that that hawk bit that is usually elevated on a dog, but is actually on the ground with a dog man. Hmm. I don't know if that's 
I couldn't see. I couldn't see whether his knees bent forward back. The, the weeds were, the weeds were too high up on it. But there was, um, there's a there's a city called Mansfield, which is about 25 minutes from where we live, and there was uh, a trailer park there where they, some eyewitnesses saw, two German Shepherd looking creatures walking and running on two legs had been digging in um, garbage area um, like back-to-back nights. And when people came out and like yelled at them or whatever, and they ran off the, and I think if my mercers me correctly, their legs were bent backwards. The joints were backwards. And there was a clicking sound when they ran like a click, 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 click. Mm. And, in the it was in one of Linda Godfrey's books, and and they talked to a veterinarian or something, and said, yeah, that that clicking sound is very common in canine because the way their cartilage or something wears. Ah, oh, right. Oh. Yeah, but it was it was but they were two of them tall, you know, six foot tall, and they and they ran on on two legs. How how very strange! How very strange! Have you ever seen? You haven't seen one <laughs> since that time. No, thank goodness. No, I'm, so so some people are like, you know, this is the thing that that, that really kind of weirds me out about people is that you see all these shows and people are like we want to go out in the woods and find Sasquatch or Dogman. Like, why the hell did you do that? I mean, I mean, imagine this: if I told you, I said, "Hey, listen, there is an escaped Bengal tiger in these woods. You guys want to go in there and see if we can see it, take a picture of it?" <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Would you do that? No, you wouldn't. What no. if I just told you, hey, listen, there's there's a silverback gorilla that escaped. Not even that, a chimpanzee. Have you heard about chimpanzees ripping people's faces yeah. off and stuff? Yeah. Well, you wouldn't do it because you'd be like, no, these things are dangerous. So you're, why you're talking to you're talking to you're talking to Sarah. Everything in Australia can kill you. In, in, <laughs> exactly. She's not. I mean, a fly can probably kill you. <laughs> Everything's poisonous here. <laughs> so, but it kind of goes. But it goes back to saying is is that I've never went looking for one, and I and I have no intentions of of if somebody said, "Hey, look, you know, there's there's been some recent dogman sightings. You go look." I'd be like, "No, I'm not doing that." No, I won't go out camping by myself. Uh, no way. I, uh, I used to, but not anymore. Not, I've heard way too many scary stories now. <laughs> <laughs> way too many. Yeah. So, but you know the the other thing about dogmen in our area is if it was flesh and bone creature, there's so many, there's so much livestock and deer and and farms and I mean, these things could subsist easily, and nobody know. Yeah. Exactly right. Well, the well, the other thing that you know that I have thought about is where we live is not. I mean, there's not like 500 acres of woods, okay, at any one spot where we're at. I mean, it's pretty open field, open fields, small patches of woods, um, and there's a lot of hunters where we live. A lot of farmers, a lot of hunters. So if this thing was a real flesh and blood creature, I don't know how it would survive because this isn't like going out into the middle of the Pacific Northwest or 
uh, you know, looking for Sasquatch. Yeah, this is this is a place where there's eyes on the field, eyes in the woods, all the time. Yeah. So to me, that's why this thing is not a flesh and blood creature because I just don't think it. While there is plenty for it to eat, uh, there's plenty to kill it too. You know. Yeah. So it's well, just here's the thing. Echoing what, what Grover's saying on that, if you would go to Google Earth and you look up Bray Road in Wisconsin, and then you look up Temple Road in Bucyrus, they look exactly the same. Right. Hey, Seth Breedlove. Exactly yeah. Seth Breedlove, who has been on Bray Road, said that as much a couple weeks ago. Like, this looks just like Bray Road. Yeah. So, the, so Wisconsin, where they have the original, you know, it's not really, Mike's story predates Bray Road by eight, eight or nine years. But same geographical locations, you know, not that big wood, farms, hunters. Yeah, if these were flesh and bone things, you'd think somebody would shoot one. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, it, it explains the fact that they, they, well, the, the, the possibility that they're interdimensional rather and they're not always here makes more sense to me. It, it, well, it could potentially explain why we, no, one, no one has come up with a dead one for people to examine. Right. Uh, people talk about shooting them and not actually doing any damage whatsoever. How do you, how yeah. do you, how do, you do that if it's a real flesh and blood creature? Well, you know, and if you if if you follow along with Linda and and she's she's in this camp because she's seen them, is that there's sightings of orbs, these glowing orbs, mm -hmm. in close proximity and time to to dogmen. Yeah. And up on Bray Road, they've seen these, you know, where the, where there's lots of dogman sightings of these these orbs, and so do they do these things tr basically. Are they able to traverse from our dimension to their dimension through these, you know, energy orbs or, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But I haven't I, I really have an opinion on that yet. No, and I've, I've, I've certainly thought about that because we often get orbs reported in conjunction with Yowies. Mm -hmm. Same people see, see them at the same time or very soon after or soon before. It's quite a large number of reports that are orbs and yaois at the same time. So it seems to be that there's some kind of connection. People yeah. people often see UFOs at the same time as well. So, right. so yeah. it would just be weird that it was just a complete, I mean, the odds that I'm going to see a glowing orb, I'm out in the woods and I'm going to see a glowing orb, the odds I'm going to see that, then rationalize that with the odds I'm going to see a Sasquatch and then say, well, I see them both at the same time or in close time and proximity. It, it would seem to me that it's too big a coincidence that they would that people would be seeing orbs and dogman or orbs and Yowie Sasquatch in the same proximity if there wasn't some sort of connection nexus between the two. Yeah. Yes. Now yeah. I never saw anything like that. I mean, I on on my experience, I never saw any glowing orbs or or anything like that. But I mean, I'm just one encounter. Now, the the interesting thing to me about that, though, is, is there is a camp over here in North America, um, and I don't want to name the organization, but we all know who it is, who, who they do not want to hear any mention of any 
I saw a UFO and I saw my Bigfoot <laughs> yeah. or I saw an orb. Okay. They do not want you to even broach that subject. And I've heard the guys in charge of taking the reports, I guess, whatever you want to call them, have complained that their reports have been scrubbed clean by the uh, uh, official organization of any kind of supernatural um, tie-in yeah. when there's a right. Bigfoot report. Yeah, they're, they're trying to control the narrative as to what they want you to believe Sasquatch, Yowie, or whatever is. In, in, in the, Which their, is silly. Yeah. Which is silly. Yeah. Well, we've been talking I mean, about the, the existence yeah. of these these beings. I, I've, it does. It seems nonsensical to me to to because they're such a mysterious, strange being in and of itself. Why we would automatically go? Well, well I think they exist, but I refuse to entertain any other possibilities other than that they're flesh and blood. It seems to me that you're mm. then cutting out a whole lot of other possibilities of what they actually are. Well, but, but understand, understand this too, that, that there's science, you know, the, the, there's science that refuses to accept the possibility that there could be a God and there could be an afterlife and that there's, you know, metaphysics, you know what I mean? And so you have scientists that say, no, this is flesh blood, this is, it has to be this way. We're not going to entertain the idea of anything metaphysical or paranormal. Not doing it. We don't care what evidence yeah. you bring. It's not going to do it. I, I think, you know, because I, I, I get quite a lot of comments when I do talk about interdimensional beings, when I talk about the possibility of things not being flesh and blood. Like we get comments sometimes about how talking about that woo-woo side of things impacts on our credibility as researchers or, or the credibility of our, in inverted commas, cause. So I've got to, mm-hmm. I, I, say, I tend to think that some people are, they're so concerned about what other people think and about being seen as credible that they, they won't entertain some of the slightly more out there possibilities because it, they think that it's going to make other people think they're completely crazy. I think if, you're, if your cause is to prove to the world that these beings exist, discounting some of the possibilities of how they actually exist is kind of shooting your own foot, really. Well, the, the ironic thing is, is that, is that you don't, Everybody, there's going to be a certain amount of people who think you're crazy no matter what. Yeah. So why are you trying exactly. to sound a little less, just a little less crazy? Exactly. That's what people? I mean. Let's like just, I, it's kind of it's silly. Just, <laughs> I mean, well, I would be interested. I, you know, I would be interested if, if for you to run a poll in, in, in on your podcast, and we run a poll on ours. You know, on our maybe you know after the shadows or something. And say, okay. Now, how many people think that Sasquatch is completely made up, doesn't exist, but you just enjoy hearing it? How many people think that Sasquatch is a flesh and blood, it's a creature, just hasn't been discovered yet, will eventually catch one, blah, 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 versus how many, what percentage do you think that it, there's some sort of paranormal, supernatural, interdimensional component to it? Just get a feel for what people out there actually think, you know, anonymously. 
Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I can probably predict the answer, though. There'll be – there'll well, I don't know if I know if – I, if I could tell you the proportion of – but there's, there'll be definitely people firmly in both camps, that's for sure. I'll give you a good example, a real-life example. Giant squid. Yes. Okay? Giant – nobody believed giant squids were real. They were creatures of – lore that sailors told to their families and et cetera, et cetera. And, and so back, um, the famous sinking of the Lusitania, which got the United States into world war one, um, Lusitania ship got sunk by a German U boat. There were people that were in the water waiting to be picked up. And there were eyewitnesses that described a giant squid coming up and taking people under. They told newspapers this. Not a single newspaper ran that story. Right. Not a single paper said anything about survivors in the sea being taken down by a giant squid because no newspaper wanted to ruin their credibility with folklore. Fast forward 60, 70 years, guess what science finds? Giant squids are real. We found a carcass. And now we know they're real. So here is something that people was convinced was folklore didn't exist despite even people saying that they saw them and now it's mainstream science now it's mainstream you know giant squids are real you know oceanography da, 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 da. so will we ever get to that with sasquatch yowie dog man things like that i don't know i don't know it depends on i guess the answer to that might depend on if what they really are. If they're supernatural if, if they're in nature. Su- yeah, if they're supernatural mm-hmm. yeah, if in nature, they'll be... I don't think we're going to get a body. It could be like some people believe in ghosts and, and actually see them and sense them and feel them and smell them yeah. and other people don't. Um, it could be like that. Well, I mean, you think about... Here, here's what I would say. When Grover and I were kids, you know, there was very little subject matter out there about Bigfoot in cryptids, there was, you know, the only thing we knew was Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, um, Grover, anything else you can remember from uh, back when we were kids? Well, yeah, the Bermuda Triangle was oh, big yeah. when we were kids. Yeah, yeah you and, know. and then you had your Nimoy specials uh, in search of. <laughs> um, but, you, but, you, but you certainly didn't think that something like Bigfoot was anywhere but the Pacific Northwest. Right. I didn't even know initially. I was I was really interested always in mysteries, so I knew about Bigfoot. Uh, but I didn't know what, when I was a kid that we actually had an Australian version. I only found that out as like much later on as an adult. Well, cause there you know, a- I didn't either. You know, and, and so I think I was watching uh, uh, Finding Bigfoot, which, by the way, the the coincidence is that I went to law school <laughs> with Matt Moneymaker. All right, there you go. <laughs> and you there both you ended up in a similar field. What was that? Yeah. Parlayed, he parlayed his law school degree into uh, Bigfoot research and is probably a lot more wealthier than I am. <laughs> I went the traditional be a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> well, lawyers made truck loads of, make truckloads of money here. I don't know what you're doing wrong over there. Brings truck up to my house every week and just drop it off. Sarah, what you fail to realize is, as lawyers, they're trained liars. So the judge is lying to you right now. Oh, fair enough, too. So, um, but uh, but you say that um, that you didn't um, 
realize, uh, you know, there may be something in Australia like that. I, I've been I've been getting contacted this this week um, by a guy from Ireland who is sending me photo evidence that he claims is a Bigfoot in Ireland. And I've oh, wow. never he heard Bigfoot. That's I've never heard of that. That's really interesting. I, I spoke to a guy a few months ago who saw saw a Bigfoot in near Manchester in northern England in Salford. Really? And I, I believed him totally one hundred percent. And he wasn't after fame and fortune and he didn't really want to come on the show to be honest. I had to talk him into it. Um so yes, I I believe what? they have them over what? there too. <laughs> Now, wait a second. Coming on your show is equal to f- we get fame and fortune from that? No, well, he meant to. No, I don't, yeah, fame, like, maybe. There's no fortune involved. <laughs> <laughs> if you find it, that, that there is fortune, fortune somewhere. All this is, is in a Chinese cookie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I would be interested, Sarah, if you've, if you've talked to anybody from like – South America, like Brazil, where they have what they call the Lobozone mm-hmm. down no. there, which which sounds to me like Dogman. Um, Loba, what is it? But, it's Loba, know, Loba, which would be from, from the, the wolf. Lobo, yeah, and, and keep in mind it would be Portuguese. So yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brazilians, they speak Portuguese, so Lobozone, yeah. Lobozone. Um, probably means is probably werewolf in their yeah. their language. I don't know. But there's a but there's tons in, in these small villages in Brazil of this creature they call the Lobozone and, and they will literally I mean down in some of these small villages forests and stuff like that, the jungle, they will put curfews out. Nobody's allowed out at night because there's Lobozone sightings and I mean this like these wolf creatures are deeply, deeply entrenched into their culture down there. So I would be interesting to see, talk to somebody who's yes. had a, a Lobozone experience and, and get a, a, a real good feel for what they saw. Does it look like the Egyptian god Anubis? You know what I mean? Is it something what we're experiencing? I would love to. The rest- yeah, I haven't spoken to anyone from Brazil, but uh, let me know if you do. I'll, I'll, I'd love to listen because it would be really interesting to find out what, what their stories are. Yeah, because I mean, I've seen some on TV where they've, you know, but obviously I wasn't the interviewer, so I couldn't ask the questions I want to ask. But these are, I mean, these are people that claim they see these things and they, like I said, they are, as a culture, they are deeply, deeply entrenched and fearful of these things. And, and you know, you get to like Louisiana here in the United States, you get the whole, you know, Rougarou, Lugarou yep. mythology and things. That, but I'm just not in the camp. I'm just I've never been in the camp of of a human being metamorphosing into a wolf. I just I don't know why it. I just I just don't buy it. Well, that's that that skinwalker tradition, isn't it? That there's there's a lot of those stories in your country with the Native Americans. Oh yeah, skinwalkers, yeah. Um, and I believe in South America as well. They they have similar. Similar stories. We had the Aboriginal people here talk about skinwalkers as well. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they talk about people who become clever men, and and to become a clever man is like a, a shaman, I guess. Right. Um, and so the shamans yep. 
in in time and in training are able to reach a point where they can shape shift. That that goes right along with our yeah. indigenous people here, skinwalker. Yes. Things where a shaman becomes, you know, once a shaman reaches a certain level and then kills a family member, and, you know, they become a skinwalker. Yes, exactly. You have to, from what I understand, in fact, was it Jack Carey who wrote Paranormal Planet who talks about a small town uh, where there were skinwalkers and people were murdered? Um, you know, it's, it's a black magic thing in order to, 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 mm-hmm. uh, obtain that ability you have to kill someone to get there grover help me out my wife my brain is my brain is just went blank uh-huh. here not skinwalk what's the other um Chupa. indigenous thing Chupacabra? Oh. Uh, the wendy no the wendigo oh yeah yeah yep, yep. the wendigo but yeah, yeah the skinwalker for... in the skinwalker native in native american legend here you you have to kill a family member Right. Yeah, right. Uh, not just kill somebody. You have to kill a family member. Right. You have to really give yourself away to the dark side. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so. that's an extra level of extra level of creepy. Of course. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go a little crazy, you might as well go a lot. The whole hog. Go girl. all in. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, hey, um, go ahead and 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 if you wouldn't mind putting our information out there if, if anybody has any questions about my encounter you know they could shoot us an email and uh sure grover what is it from the shadows podcast at listen you're the one throwing it out there what he's asking me for? <laughs> i mean come on <laughs> if anybody if anybody does want to contact us they can get a hold of us on facebook on um after the shadows is the easiest way it's called after the shadows it's a facebook yeah. forum that we have um or they can find me on instagram at shane grove author or the from the shadows podcast instagram uh or they can go to our website from the shadows podcast.com and there's a contact uh tab there and they can just send us an email it's the easiest way to do it so sarah <laughs> i want to give you a shout out you have the coolest intro song of any podcast at all. Oh, yeah. How good and is it? Like we, I love it. It's the best. It's the best. When I found that I've, song, I, I was so excited. It was so good. And, and then I wrote to the, the, um, the composer of that song, Parry Grip, expecting him to say, no way, you can't use my, my song. And he was so nice. He was so lovely. He said, yeah, sure. Go for it. Use it. And I was like, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. That's very generous. Can I, can I pay you for it or something? And, and he said, no, no, no. He said, nobody likes that song anyway. <laughs> and I said, well, that's not true because, because all of the people, I've had quite a few people, including you, tell me how much you love that song. So um, I was very lucky and he's a really generous man for allowing me to use it. We need to come up with a clever song for From the Shadows podcast, so. I don't think we can top that. Well, what are you talking about? I wrote, I wrote our theme song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me. I don't me. get any. I don't get any money for it either. No, no royalties. That's outrageous. I got into the podcasting, being a guest on the on the show because one, I had no interest in making any money off off anything, but I just thought that I can't tell my story that can 
inspire inspire other people who were similarly situated who were too i guess embarrassed or afraid to be ridiculed i would inspire them to come out and tell their story and and uh i would say that's been a success and we've had people that's come forward and said hey because you told yours so fantastic that's the that's the best gift that i could get out of it absolutely absolutely i get i do get lovely comments like that from people in the facebook group and and in the interviews that i do uh people saying that the show has made it easier for them to come forward now and feel comfortable coming forward and not afraid of being ridiculed it's a it's a safe space so that's exactly absolutely yeah that for me that's 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 all that matters really like you it's the same yeah. yeah, and it's the 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 funniest thing is because I'm a big you know I, I got a lot of free time on my hands while I'm out there delivering mail, so I do del- so I do listen to a lot of podcasts or I do listen to a regular rotation of them, and you know and you're always like okay it's Wednesday this a new one's coming out on you know what I'm saying yes. you know people have regular schedules and when we miss like we did this week we missed our regular schedule because of uh, Jason had some some stuff going on. People start going, "Hey, where, where's the where's the new episode? What's <laughs> yeah. going on?" Yeah, like like is it coming? And it's like, oh, I forgot. It's like crack for you guys <laughs> because you're used to every Wednesday and Friday there's a show coming out, and yep. you Being depend on mass. that. Yeah, yeah, that... they just depend on it, and so do. so I we do kind of feel I do get kind of feel like like responsible for helping some people through their days, you know, whether it's the funny podcast we put out or the paranormal one, there's, there's big audiences for both of them. And, uh, you know, people, people kind of depend on that to help them with their, either it's their drive to work or, or, or whatever. So I feel some responsibility. Yeah. I always feel guilty if I have (laughs) to, like I, if I, last year I had, two two-week breaks and it was only because I was sick um, and I felt really bad having to ca- having to cancel at the last minute it was yeah not a nice feeling because no. yeah it's not it's not nice we try to get a couple ahead so that if there is a week that that we're busy we just you know we don't sweat it we got bank yeah yeah we got some in the bank so yeah. but we're but we're like you I'm we're trying to up our website to where we have a members only section mm-hmm. and it's going to require us doing extra content. And, um, you know, so, so we're trying to, me and the, uh, the guy that do the funny one, we're trying to bank some, some shows so that we, when we unleash that, we have the extra content for a couple months. That's a good idea. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the thing. It's that if you create doing, Adding one extra hour of content a week is actually hours and hours of work uh, for that one extra hour of content. So um, yeah. it's it's whether you've got the whether you've got the drive and the time and the creative space and and the material. Like some, I, I try and be ahead a few weeks as well. But you know, sometimes, particularly towards the end of the year, I I, I I'm looking around checking my notes going surely there's something i can put in the show this week <laughs> i'm stuck for material <laughs> yeah ours ours definitely goes in spurts well i'll get like five people in a week that want to come on and then we'll 
I'll sort them out and we'll, we'll interview them over the next couple of weeks. And then I'm like, man, I don't have anybody lined up, but then somebody always, you know, something always happens. So yeah. Well, and keep in mind, if you ever get really stuck, just call me and I can chat to you for an hour. I'll I'll come up with some, some of my Australian stories for you. (laughs) Hey, listen, everybody always says, Hey, when, when are you going to have that lady that talks in the sexy act? Oh, my sexy voice. Oh, Fantastic. My, my phone sex voice. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you like, just dial 1-800-345-345. See? And you're, and you're worried about making money. <laughs> Somebody did say that to me once. They said, you have the best phone sex voice. And I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. <laughs> It was an absolute joy talking to you. An honour to have you back on Yowie Central. It was fun. It was fun uh, getting to hang out with you. Yeah, really nice. And nice to meet you, Judge. Pleasure. And uh, I, I enjoy your show when I catch it. And uh, I hope that uh, some of your Australian listeners uh, enjoy my encounter. And like I said, if they have any questions, have them email me and uh, I'll get back with them straight away. Will do. Shane Grove and the judge from From the Shadows podcast. Make sure you check out their show. It's awesome. If you've seen a dog man or had an unusual experience you'd like to get off your chest and share with the Yowie Central listeners, I am always taking submissions from Australia and from around the world. So get in touch with me via yowiecentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group. Well, that's it for this week, my friends. Yowie Central will be back next week. Thank you so much for joining me on my very first independent show. I'll catch you next week. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.